We're here with Victoria Shen of Eviction and Trim, and she just released a new album entitled Hair Birth out on American Dreams Records. How you doing, Victoria? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. A little sweaty. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, yeah, a little sweaty too. <laughs> yeah, we're in the armpit of summer right now. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I gotta say though, I actually, I love the heat. Really? So, yeah, yeah, even humidity, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm, I get cold really easily. Oh. I don't really like it when it's below 80. <laughs> okay, so are you like a sauna guy? Yep. Okay. I mean, I, well, I, I don't really have that much experience in saunas, but the times that I have been, I do enjoy. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I can only take so much and just like for novelty, you know, like I would never do it like regularly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it only lasts yeah. for a little bit, so. Okay. Yeah. You're on my side. All right. That's right. Yeah. It's like the cold. I don't know. I, I, I don't like the cold, but I'll, 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 I can deal with it. So I don't know. I mean, I just, it's just that it's like, I feel like when it's really hot, it's like a nice warm blanket. <laughs> like all nice the time. Way. <laughs> yeah. of putting it yeah so in addition to the the new album um, what have you been up to oh man okay um yeah since lockdown i've been like kind of just doing as many projects as like as i could do um like let's see uh i mean so you know af after the they announced like the lockdown at harvard i was in the middle of teaching this class and so we we're like oh shit we're not going to be able to access any of these tools so we were able to um bring home like we could like the staff was able to just like say okay this is the perfect excuse to bring home like a couple of 3d printers or a vinyl cutter or whatever oh, so yeah i brought that stuff home i've since like last week i returned the 3d printers um kind of because they've lost their novelty you know it's like really exciting when you first are, are playing with them and then you're like okay all right I did it. <laughs> yeah and then so I was doing like masks at first right it's like oh okay like lockdown let's like explore ways that we can make like PPE with like 3d printing and then was playing with that but actually it's not a really good tool for it like maybe for face shields like we we did 3d print some visors um, that we sent to to Virginia to a hospital there, but it's like, you know, this the scale and the volume, it's not uh, it's not comparable to like more industrial processes like die cutting or like uh, injection molding or whatever. But then like, I was just kind of like doing, because we were like, we have all this extra time. I was just doing all these projects that seemed kind of like frivolous and just like, you know, fun, like stuff that I ordinarily wouldn't spend that much time doing because like I, I'm constantly feeling this time crunch mm -hmm. um, or the sense of like, oh, like time is like so precious. Like we gotta like, uh, <laughs> like yeah. if I'm gonna focus my efforts on something, it's gotta be something like kind of grandiose. So I was just doing like small things like, you know, printing like flails and morning stars as like wearables and stuff like that. And oh yeah, and then like later I was like, I did this like mask where it's just a normal mask and then you put um, an LED array in it so that when you're talking at a normal volume, it like makes this like smiley face kind of just grow across your face. Oh, it's awesome. And then if you're sh shouting like a frown, like a red frowny face shows up. So I, like, 
that. And then it's just kind of like I made a few of them and then it was like, okay, a proof of concept, like I'm done and I need to like make all this stuff. Um, How long would that take then, to, for that to make? Print? Yeah, to make and. Oh, that's not printed. That's, um, so that's like a uh, vinyl cut circuits. So I've been doing like flexible circuits for a while, just using the vinyl cutter and like uh, tape. So you just take like a flat piece of, of um, copper and then you run the, the circuit design onto it, like with um, a knife and then you pull off the negative space and then mm. you solder components directly onto the copper and then you have like a flexible circuit. Um, and so I've been doing stuff like earrings and chokers and stuff with these, these circuits. And in this case, it was like a mask because it has to be like adhesed along like the curvature of the inside of the mask. Um, stuff like that. I was yeah. like trying to cut my own records, like my, well, like flexi discs at home. I like did that for a few days and then what else? I was like make, working on this tape kebab where, where it's like, you have like a motor with um, a spindle mounted on it with like tape glued along the outside. And then um, you play it by like you have, I, I made this glove with tape heads on the fingertips and then you bring the tape heads against the spinning spindle. And then that's how you play this tape instrument. And it kind of looks like a kebab because it like is tapered <laughs> from the top down. And, like really it was more of a lofty idea. Like I wanted it to look kind of like a harmonium, like these glass harmoniums that have like these big nested spinning glass bowls. And then like you place your fingers on top of it to play like different pitches as it spins. But um, yeah, I think kebab is maybe more appropriate for the way <laughs> the way this thing looks. Um, yeah, so just a bunch of you know projects. Like right now, I'm like working on a new synth. Uh, oh yeah, 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 and then it probably bears mentioning like I'm moving in a few weeks oh, across the country. country. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. so I've been in this house for eleven years. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, and I've been in yeah. Boston for 13 years. I moved right. here from San Francisco um, when I was, actually, I was 17 when I moved <laughs> for a few days, and then I turned 18 soon after uh, oh, here, wow. and then I'm 30 now, and I'm going <laughs> to, actually, it kind of is like a fucking a mirror image of what I did, because like, I'm moving in August back to, to San Francisco, so I'll be there right before I turn 31. But I've been here, what, like 12 years then? 13 long years? long time. Damn. You guys are from here, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Still, we live, or actually now, Glenn lives in Somerville, but I live what? in the North Shore. You live in yeah. Somerville now? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, just, I just moved to Somerville. Um, I got married in March, and now I <gasps> live in Somerville. Yep. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Yes. Did you did you just miss the lockdown? Did you get married like right before the lockdown hit? Exactly. Right before. Oh, that's great timing. Perfect yeah, timing. it was it was like a week before. Um, like crap. if it had been a week later, he wouldn't have that, that. Yeah, the ceremony probably wouldn't have happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, oh. but yeah, yeah summer, summer um, was cool. Like it's a cool. So you've yeah. been always in Somerville? No, I, first year I lived in JP. Second year I lived 
in uh, what, what is that? Uh, what is that? What, Huntington, like by. Uh, oh fuck! Is that Cleveland Circle? I no, it's the opposite side. Like it's it's between like Fenway and Roxbury Crossing. Oh shit! What is that place? Uh, something Hill. Mission Hill. Mission Hill. Mission Hill. I lived in Mission Hill. Ah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For a year, and then yeah, and then I've been here for <laughs> like eleven years. So. Oh wow. Had a long time. A long time. Have you always been? Well, I actually I hate to jump ahead because I think Chris probably wants to go, go to the early huh? days first. <laughs> oh yeah, let's take our time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I was, just, I was curious about. Um, so you you grew up in San Francisco. Um, were you going out to shows like like local shows in, when you you were in San Francisco? Just like um, at the very tail end, like I, um, I was kind of uh, sheltered in like my childhood, like, well, not, okay. So I was like raised by like a single mom and, you know, I would just pretty much like go from school to home, you know, all the time until like high school, but I had like an interest in, I don't know what you might say, like the darker side of music. I think like my first CD was Aqua and Britney Spears, right? When I was like eight or something. And then uh, I was introduced to Korn when I was nine. And then I had, to, I feel really bad about it to this day, but um, I kind of tricked my, um, my godmother who, is Chinese and could not really like read English. Like she could read, but you know she wouldn't like really pay attention to stuff. So I tricked her into buying Issues album by Corn, you know, for me because it had a parental advisory. My mom would never yeah. buy that for me, you right. know. Um, so I got that, and then like I fell deep into whatever like alternative, new metal, like yeah. biscuit, like hard, harder stuff, you know. Uh, so, sorry. What was what was the original question again? Oh, I, I, I was um. Oh, shows local shows. Talking about shows, but I was gonna say though, it's kind of funny because I also was very much into the new metal like uh, kick at the time, and we were, we've talked with Noah Britton about no, this a little bit. Noah <laughs> loves like that era of music Shit, and loves I, corn. I have to call Noah back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I gotta call yeah, him back no, too. I, I, <laughs> I remember the Issues album, my friend and I, they had like a thing of like designing the album cover and we were in uh -huh. like third or fourth grade. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, we I remember we submitted something or whatever and I didn't have a title and we wanted to call it like Rejects. Uh -huh. But then that came out like a few months later and it was like Issues and yeah, whatever. <laughs> but God damn it. Honestly, yeah. most of the 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 finalist for I thought for the cover was not very good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you could have done. Come on, John Silvera, you could have done better. Yeah. Wait, that, that's his name, right, John? Uh, oh, the singer. Oh, Davis, Jonathan Davis. Yeah, Jonathan Davis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you. That's <laughs> all right. Um. So yeah, I I was originally asking about the uh, if you were going out to shows in in uh, San Francisco. Okay, yeah, so later in high school, I was, like, the first, the very first show I went to was a Radiohead concert 
uh, when I was in middle school, and I won tickets off of a local radio station. Oh, wow. And that mm. that was fucking that was really great. That was really great. And then <laughs> and then uh, what happened? Oh yeah, yeah. Then eventually I was like, okay, I could go to shows that were um, all ages shows. So there are a couple of venues. Like bottom of the hill was one. Like I saw Dan Deacon there. Like Gravy Train. Oh, uh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Remember them? <laughs> oh, oh. So you know how you we were at the Noise Fest last year. We were playing um, Hunks and His Punks. Yeah. You were like, "What's that record?" Yeah. So yeah, Seth Bogart from uh-huh. Hunks and His Punks was in Gravy Train. What? That's amazing. Yeah, and I believe they did play. Glenn, correct me if I'm wrong. They played a show with the best thing ever, Noah's band. Uh, oh, okay. that's yeah. I'm course. pretty sure that is that is accurate. Yep, gravy train. So it's all coming around full circle. <laughs> full full circle. But yeah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, I actually that's probably the only acts that I remember because most of the shows were like 18 plus or 21 plus. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is so bad. So that's like the mid to late 2000s ish. Yeah, 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 like 2005, 2006, there about when I was finally becoming a little bit more independent, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, but not really not that many shows. And even when I was in, in college out here, I went to museum school, I didn't go to like a whole bunch of shows. I went to some shows like in the basement venues, you know. Sure. Um, that was a really crazy time. Like uh, Butcher Shop was probably like the most popular one at the time if you guys remember that yeah you know it's weird uh it's weird like i knew the name i went to umass lowell and i went to shows in like Glenn and i went to um house shows in boston but not like a ton at the time but there was a lot of stuff going on in lowell and i remember i went to more shows in like lowell because just because i was going to school there so uh-huh. I knew of Butcher Shop, but we never made it out to that one, fortunately. Huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, um, I remember it, too. Uh, uh, you know, it, we were around for that during that time. We just never made it out to that one, fortunately. But, um, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I, I've heard, and I've seen some videos online and stuff, but... Um, yeah, like I remember, yeah, we went to a few shows at like Gay Gardens and stuff like that. And uh, um, so, so at that time you were in college and at the at the museum school, and um, I, I read recently that you that's around when you started getting into noise music had or like making noise music. Is that correct? Uh, just just going because uh, at that time I was more focused on um, working for do you know Jessica Ryland she was the um, uh, CEO the founder of Flower Electronics uh, okay. so I, I met her through college and she she hired me to do like soldering work like synth making stuff for her and like everyone you know pretty much all of her her customers were noise musicians. So like, and also all of her employees were like noise musicians too. Mm-hmm. So just by, you know, by virtue of working for Jessica, I was like exposed to like noise music. She also exposed me to like a lot of metal. You know, I'd listened to some metal before, but like we would just like play metal all the time and then solder. <laughs> yeah. 
and like work in her office. Her office was at MIT, so, which was kind of crazy to think about. Um, you know, something so like transgressive and alternative as a subculture, like having a home in MIT. But I guess MIT has always had that sort of legacy, I guess like LSD and other things have been synthesized there. Not just, not just noise music. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and then I saw my first INC there. Do you guys know INC? The International Noise Conference? Yeah, oh, actually. Um, we saw the Boston one that you played at in 2016. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was one at MIT that was like pretty much hosted by Jessica in like 2000, and that must have been 2010 or 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, and that was like my first like whoa noise fest i guess you could say but, okay uh, yeah and so were you performing at this time as well uh i played one it was like a one-off with my boyfriend at that time okay cool where was that at uh that, that was at mit that was okay. right out, outside of her office oh oh wow yeah it was super weird time and i played with uh my my ex Sam who he ran away from home he ran away from Kentucky and he drove out to Boston so we could like live together and then he went to museum school like a year after I just you know funny but anyway we played we played as an act called Sepuku Boys which oh, is wow. yeah which is kind of <laughs> kind of funny but uh yeah, 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 so that was it. And then, you know, after that, I hadn't played music in a, for a long time, really long time, um, until like when I was 25, I think. Right, so I like, I played that gig when I was 20 and then graduated. Um, I was doing like this art piece slash uh, working at a nail salon for like eight months and then <laughs> I did this project where um, I was like recreating modernist paintings like uh, like Franz Klein or like Rothko's on people's nails and like doing these free manicures at these pop-up salons um, and it was, it was my version of like relational aesthetics where like um, the art piece is like the social interaction uh, rather than like an object, you know? And so like that's supposed to be like the aesthetic focus is like the, the human interaction. But um, so I was doing that for a while, then I got this gig part-time at Harvard, then I got full-time part uh, Harvard gig, which was great because um, art school was very expensive. I was like $80,000 in debt after I graduated from high school. I just said high school, excuse me, art school. <laughs> and then- um, the Expensive high school. Yeah, expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then I went back to, you know, I go back to San Francisco, like, during the holidays and stuff. Uh, and I, like, talked about this before, but, like, I met this guy in San Francisco that made me want to, like, play music. And so I um, started Trim with Dana, because Dana was actually friends with <laughs> a, a partner of mine at that time. And... Uh, was always like, hey, we should collab, we should collab. And I was like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And so Dana was like, yeah, I want to play drums. What should we call this band? And then I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, let's think about it. So we were like sitting in a parking lot 
Oh yeah, like we we were jamming at like this Studio Fifty Two, you know, on Everett Street, um, that practice space. Yeah. Uh, in in Alston. So we just, you know, we're like jamming there because, like, even though I wasn't performing, I still had these synths that I made while I worked for Jessica. We like closed up shop like shortly after I graduated in twenty eleven. Um, but yeah, so we were just like jamming, and then like we were sitting in the parking lot outside of that. Um, that's that's your place and just like trying to drum up names and then I like am typing in a Google doc on my phone and I try to put like the German word for for drum on there which is trum t-r-u-m uh and then it auto corrected it to trim and I was like whoa that's really funny <laughs> because you know like the term trim right it's like it means pussy but like in a semi obsolescent way Dina's like, oh yeah, that's cool. And so that's how we were like, okay, yeah, this, this feels right. So we went with that. Um, and then, yeah, and then we started performing more. Um, and I think there's just like small things. Oh, you know, if you want to actually know what happened with like, um, do you know Stephanie Marie Germain? Um, no. no. Um, she, she's like, been in the noise scene for a while. She's more like tied into, do you know X-Fest? Yeah. So she's kind of one of the organizers of X-Fest. And um, I saw her play, that's when I was really going to shows. Like I was going to sh like see Pile and like Gorilla Toss and um, you know, and Nice Guys and shit like that. And like, it was really fucking blowing my mind at that time. I was like having such a good time at live shows. Like I, I haven't had that much fun at a live show in a long time uh a, like a non-noise live show in a long time sure oh, okay what, i haven't what, had that much year? fun in in boston yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what year yeah since then um what year was that uh i don't know 2013 okay yeah I, I know it yeah. yeah yeah around that time or like i remember with like gorilla toss like seeing them in 2012 and 13 and they were just like mind-blowing it was uh i mean they're still a sick band but i remember those those early shows um were just like just like ferocious <laughs> yeah oh my yeah. god like I, I would have a, a really sore neck the day after <laughs> for like days after i remember <laughs> um yeah i wish damn is it just getting older that's what it is, or is it that there's less stuff like that around? Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've talked about this a lot, Glenn and I, and it's a good question, and I feel like it might be a combination of the two of, like, I think there was a really special time. Um, and it's not, not that it's, like, I don't mean to say, like, like it's, like, I don't, it's not over or anything like that, but I think there was just a lot of people in Boston really, you know, came together and maybe, like, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, where it was just a special time, and it wasn't necessarily like just younger people, but I think that a lot of, um, you know, like we had we had Shawnee Brando on the show the other day. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, he had been playing Bugs and Rats for years. Oh, Bugs like, and Rats were so good. Yeah, exactly. And like they had been around since two thousand three, but he was saying like you know they hadn't, they really didn't start to take off um i mean they were putting out music and they were playing shows but like when mm -hmm. around 2012 there was like 
this whole their scene was cropping up and they were they were playing with these kick-ass shows of bands that they really loved like Brillatos for example or like New England Patriots or Nice Guys oh yeah yeah right you know so I think that like even so like so even them being an older band I don't know if it, I don't think it was even necessarily like an age thing so I think a lot of times people say it's like oh it's just like you know maybe just a younger crowd or older crowd mm-hmm. I think it was just like a lot of people were at that right point and you know the host There's show like scene a sweet was, spot right that's oh, a good point. yeah yeah yeah, that's, I mean, that that's I, I, my guess, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And then I think maybe because for some of us, this was like so fresh and, and, and we were younger and was newer. It's like, it's always naturally like, I feel like there's something special. It's shinier. Younger. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, but, and then there was, I think maybe perhaps a, a more of a quality of, of bands, I, at least for my taste, it seems like there was more of a quality of bands and so i think the combination of those two just just makes it it, like difficult to try to keep up that momentum you know yeah it was pretty dynamite (laughs) also people move away to to college town and you know yeah it's like a revolving door the city or this yeah i had a question for you victoria with as far as when you started playing shows and even up until recently do you find there's because you play with rock and roll bands punk bands and then you also play with noise probably strictly noise music in that kind of realm maybe more so a combination of those than a lot of different bands that might only play with you know maybe just noise and then others just you know rock or whatever do you do you find there's any differences in those shows or any interesting aspects about that dynamic? Uh, well, I'll definitely say that their reception is totally different. Like if I play with say more of like, uh, like a punk band or like, uh, what else have I played with? I played with even pop, pop bands. It's like oh, wow. the audience is usually, I mean, they're supportive. I don't think I've ever been like, no one's ever like booed or anything mean like that, but like they're just we're not expecting it at all and like usually it's positive right they're like whoa like i would have never that's like crazy i can't believe like you did that you know mm-hmm. so like you get things like that but it's I, it's not the same kind of just like raw enjoyment that you get from just um you know people audiences who are say coming from like a more academic uh expectation or like a you know noise proper expectation right because i think like noise is an acquired taste and there's uh, like a vernacular, there's like a language that, you know, people get familiar with just from like exposure to it. But I think if people aren't, uh, um, you know, really versed in that in that kind of vernacular, yeah. it's just like totally like, what the fuck is this? And they don't yeah. really have, have like this kind of uh, entrance into like enjoyment. There's only, at first there's only shock or something. So that's always kind of funny. It's been positive, but um, there, there's definitely like a difference in, in reception. Um, like that being said, I don't think I've ever played a show that I've regretted because I always feel like there's something for me to gain, you know, from like playing to different audiences or playing with like different bands. I mean, I fucking like the, the music that <laughs> of like the bands that I play with too, right? Um, like I like I really like 
on. I like, oh, okay, some folk stuff. I'm like, oh my god, get me out of here. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, <laughs> but usually it's like it's it's all underground, right? So that's like the <laughs> the nice thing. It's like things that are like not uh, that are a little seen by the masses, right? And I think cool that should, all, should always garden. be appreciated. Oh fuck! I would love to do some crazy shit at TD Garden. Yeah, that would. I I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I, could, I think I it's could in your future. It. I can see it. <laughs> no. I would want to do like really ambitious things, like use TD Garden, like somehow turn it into an organ. Like that's the thing. It's just like it's always been the stuff that I do has always been a, a response to the space that I'm in or like the audience that I'm with. Or something, you know, so it's like if I'm in like a dank basement, like I want to elicit this kind of dank grottoness, you know, or like bring attention to the fact that we're in low ceilings, that we're in cramped quarters, right? Versus say like City Hall, which is like extremely like open and reverberant. And so I tried to like play on the space there, you know, given, given the fact that I was like able to like set up an installation ahead of time. So I just, whatever means possible right just like bring attention to the present moment uh, the space that we're in like who we're with um so yeah i guess that's like uh this this intention that i've developed through my practice of performance yeah yeah i i i've definitely noticed that um just over the years seeing you perform live i i feel like you make use of the space there and and most bands that we see artists we see don't really do that um it's like there's a you know they're like stuck in the place where <laughs> where they're performing at the you know where they're standing um mm -hmm. but you tend to make use of the space and also like it's like acknowledging that there's this thing that's happening in the room right now where there's these people watching these other people perform and i'm i'm always fascinated by that because there's it, a lot of times with a lot of bands it's like there's like this wall between the audience and the performer and, and most a lot of times you is you get some like banter like how's it going tonight or something like that you know oh god yeah <laughs> yeah and uh very few people i find can really do that like well of, noah like, is one of the few people <laughs> you say noah i think noah is one of the I, I was almost gonna say i was like i was i was actually thinking when that, you said it i thought i was him. thinking of okay you know, yeah it's so funny because he's like his kind of music, I think he would probably say the same thing about me. I'm like, I do not listen to the kind of music that he produces, like, um, casually, you know, like, recreationally. Right. I'm not like a, a, a guitar singer, songwriter, um, appreciator. However, Noah's art, I am the fucking biggest fan of. I fucking love Noah, right? So I don't know if he would be as glowing about me, but I think he'd say the same thing. Like, he doesn't particularly like noise, but he can appreciate what I'm doing. So I, I guess I would say the same thing about him. And he does his craft very well. He's a master at his craft. So say yeah. that. Yeah, honestly, um, I th and I think he does like you as a performer in your music. Because um, you know, he did say before to me that she's like, oh, she's an excellent performer. And um, and I think that I feel the same way about Noah's music as well as, as you do, that it, it's weird that, like, I am as well, uh, there's not as much singer-songwriter stuff that I'm into, but I think that speaks louder to, like, the, the craft. And, like, when we first um, saw Trim, I 
I, I mean, I'd listen to some noise music, but I, I, did, I wasn't as, and I still, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's not my forte by, by any stretch though, but I think, but I was immediately into trim and I think a lot of it also had to do with the drums too, being like, mm-hmm. this, you know, this, this powerhouse thing, but I think also your performance too, um, just stood out to me and it was, it was so interactive. And I think that's, that's what, that's what always really fascinates me a lot of times is when you get sort of past the drop, the genre. Mm. And I think that actually was one of the things that kind of got me more into looking into noise music more. Um, Cause it's weird. I mean, we have the, we've done the noise fest thing, but we, we actually, when we called it that we didn't actually like, weren't like specifically like, referring to noise, like noise with a capital M. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, like we always felt like we were using that as a term of we just wanted to get away from um you know we felt like in particular with house shows that you know these could have been spaces for more like stuff that was kind of outside of the regular of uh the norm of what a lot of times people expect with music Mm -hmm. and so we felt like there was being too many house shows that were just like regular, you were seeing so many like generic rock bands. And uh, so we that's just, true. And yeah. so that's kind of what we felt like we should have a fest sort of devoted to something that was, you know, just kind of weird stuff, which couldn't of course be like noise, harsh, like noise stuff too. It just, it was never intended to be limited to that. And I think like I kind of in like, in retrospect, I would have probably called it something different, but yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, anyway, so, like... I get it. I, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I'm just rambling. But uh, it was actually the first time uh, we saw we saw Trim was at the Cambridge Elks Lodge in April 2016. I think it was part of, like, a hassle. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember I was crawling between people's legs that, that one yeah. show in particular. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, that was totally good times. <laughs> yes. I haven't yeah. pulled that move out in a long time. That's a good... <laughs> yeah. Once, when social distancing is a thing of the past. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You can bring it back. Um, so when did you start doing as, uh, playing, like the, doing the solo sets as eviction? So like Trim was a duo. Oh, yeah. So Dana, she moved. She was in um, Waltham for a while. And then she moved to New York. She struck out on her own. And, you know, we would get uh, gig offers here. And, you know, it's a lot to ask for her to drive up. Right. You know, every single time there's a gig or like once every other week or something like that. So, um you know, I didn't want to turn down the show, so I just started performing on my own. Also, like, I, what was it, this was four years ago? Dude, can you believe it? I think it was, like, five years ago that Trim started. Yeah. Like, wow, it, damn. It, yeah, it was four years ago when we saw you, so that was, yeah, I mean, so it's, that's wild. Yeah. That is super wild. I mean, it seems like a, it just seems like it's been longer than that. It feels like it should be longer than that. But yeah, let's just hope that time we continue to experience time in this more stretched out, higher resolution way where <laughs> you're like, oh man, it wasn't that long ago, you know? Anyway, so um, uh, yeah, yeah. So like I toured Japan for the first time four years ago because I know, because that's when I bleached my hair blonde for the first time. 
And that's when I was like, oh man, I can't believe, because we were actually, I was discussing with Dana, like touring with her, but it just didn't work out. And so, um, yeah, so I went on tour in Japan. I was like, okay, I need to figure out like really how to do like a robust solo set. Uh, and like, that's when I, yeah, that's really when eviction started to take form as like a solo project. Cause when I was like traveling and Dana couldn't, couldn't be there. So, um, and yeah, and that was much more of like the performative aspects that like started in trim, but just got further developed, I guess, uh, being a solo act. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's that, and then I did, uh, the year later, I did, or was it the same year? I did a Euro tour, and then that was, like, the same thing. It was, like, oh, yeah, because oh, wow. that's when I chopped my hair short. It was, like, doing that. Uh, yeah, so there was just, like, you know, it's, like, the whole experience goes hand in hand. It's, like, traveling alone, and then, like, okay, like, performing alone, you know? So, uh, kind of, uh, develop this like self-possessiveness I guess <laughs> through just just doing that so that's all yeah it seems like you've toured uh quite a bit um in the last few years and is that uh is that really like I imagine it's like it's gonna be a pretty big undertaking to book all those shows and then go to all the shows is um how did you get in touch with like various venues and all and all that stuff Oh, it, it um, depends. Like in Japan, I got super lucky. And like one of my friends, this guy that I met in San Francisco, just randomly, you know, he, he booked uh, at a punk club in um, Japan. And so he put me in touch with some of his friends. And then also that was like one of the first times I went. So the first time I went, it was only like six uh six shows that i played and then like every year just got more and then uh two years ago i met uh kawabata makoto from acid mother's temple in rotterdam i was doing a residency there at the synth studio and he was there <laughs> and uh i kind of yeah he just, he was having trouble opening this door because it had this weird dutch lock on it and so i helped him open the store mm -hmm. and then like we started having a conversation and then I showed him the studio and he's like oh you know in my I live in a temple like on top of a mountain in Japan like and there's a studio on there too with lots of synths if you want to come check it out I was like yeah but yeah and then he helped me book a 13 uh date 13 date tour there and then last summer at this exact like time I was in Japan with like doing a 23 gig tour there. Oh, so, wow. uh, man, I miss it so much. And I was supposed to go again this September, but they haven't officially announced the cancellation, but it's like, dude, our fucking US passport is fucking useless yeah. right now. So mm -hmm. it's not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. And even if I could, if they let me in, I'd have to stay at a hotel for 14 days. <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's not right. ideal yeah but at any rate yeah yeah so so that's how um i started doing solo stuff and then actually at that um you know that residency that i was doing in rotterdam like i recorded a fuck time like pretty much i was recording like every single waking moment there and then i came back and then i um i put together my first album my first release and i released that with uh ryan martin of uh hot releases on a tape uh 
And that's when it was like eviction became like super official because like I put out a release under the name eviction. Like I still, I haven't put anything out. I put out a split under Victoria Shen with Team Makawa, but I haven't put out like any full length albums under Victoria Shen. I don't think I will. I think I'll just keep going with the eviction moniker unless I'm doing a collaboration. Yeah, I kind of like, I like eviction. Oh, good. That's that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah. oh, wait, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say it was really lucky because, like, uh, when it comes to, like, social media or, like, getting, like, a SoundCloud name or uh, whatever, like, no one misspells eviction that way. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, like, really nice. It's, like, a very singular kind of pun to have. So that's all. Yep. Yeah. Um, so with the new album, Hair Birth, uh, so it's a, I've, I've never seen anything like this before where, and can you describe it? Um, with the, so essentially like the, the album itself, like the record itself is also a speaker? Uh, at least the cover is. The cover, the cover. is a speaker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so can you describe like how that, how, how that works. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so like uh, like a regular conventional speaker, the way it works is uh, there's a coil, like a big coil, but it's usually like in a cylinder shape. Uh, and that's like glued to a cone, right? Which is like the speaker membrane. Um, but this coil, when you uh, put a current through it, when you put, put a signal through it, it will become a magnet. It becomes magnetic. Right. And so if you put a positive current in it, it will like, you know, become polarized, like positive up, negative down. If you put a negative current through it, it becomes negative up, positive down. Right. But when an audio signal is alternating positive, negative current. Right. And so it changes the polarity. It flips the polarity of the coil, which has become a magnet as you as you drive the audio signals through the coil. So you take this, this coil of like alternating polarity and then you put it up against a stationary magnet with a static uh, polarity and it becomes attracted and repulsed, you know, in relation to that static magnet. And because that coil is glued to that cone or that speaker membrane, it moves air forward and back, you know, as it, as it uh, vibrates. Uh, in relation to the static magnet, and like that is creating the compression and rarefaction of the air particles, uh, and like that's what we perceive to be sound with our ears. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So that's how it works, and then for the the so essentially this cover, it's like I think it's really elegant for a number of reasons. I just to to toot my own horn, but like, no, uh, no. <laughs> I think it's it's elegant because it's a flat, so it's a planar speaker. So you're taking this coil that's usually cylindrical and you're distributing it over a two-dimensional surface, right? So you could just have like a a spiral, you know, a plain spiral, and that would serve well as a, as a coil. But I figured out last November that you could. Um, render an image with the coil by varying the width of the coil as you like move out and you see like you know they were doing this kind of shit in the renaissance 
with engraving. Like they would change the depth of the engraving to like have more ink sit in the groove of the plate. And like that's how you could create an image by varying like how much black ink is like in that groove, right? So this is how I'm creating an image by like varying how much copper is deposited uh, along the width of this spiral. So um, yeah, so it's like elegant because the fact that the speaker coil, the coil is, is inseparable from the image and the image is inseparable from the coil. And so it's like this seamless like convergence of like sound and image, which I've always been like really obsessed with is like how to have this like synesthetic kind of uh, 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 object or something. And so um, so it's elegant because of that. And then of course, because of the fact that it's like an integrated like art and sound piece, right? It's like people collect vinyl because of its objectness anyway, its thinginess. Um, and then now you're taking something as abstract as sound because like even though sound is a physical phenomenon, it's not it's not visible or like, you know, tangible in a way that you can hold, you know, but this in this way you can actually like hold the fucking sound as it's playing on the cover. Uh, you can like feel the vibrations like in your hands or whatever, or you can even see it. So um, I think that's why like this, this kind of piece is especially poignant to me um, or this like expression of, uh, of an LP. Uh, is pointing to me because of the fact that it becomes this like ready-made art object um, that makes sound obtainable in a way. Yeah, that's a, a, a full experience that until I saw your album, I couldn't, I didn't even really think about that. But then that's, that's just, it's, it's so you in so many ways and <laughs> in, in, in a way that if you just, if you had just, you know, put out a vinyl record, just like anyone else, it, of course it would be amazing, but it, I don't think it would make as much sense as to sort of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, um, my, a buddy of mine was here, was it last night or two nights ago, like shooting pretty much the process, you know, like put together a little like doc piece about the process of making it but he was like yeah it's like not something that I would have like thought of to do like on my own but as soon as like I heard the concept I'm like oh man that's totally her like that's exactly the kind of shit that she would do right and I was <laughs> like huh that's interesting why but uh yeah I'm really happy with it like so we we shipped out the the LP cover I shipped them out to Chicago to Jordan Reyes, head of uh, American Dreams Records in Chicago. This was like last Thursday, I want to say, with two-day priority shipping, right? And this fucking new postmaster general has been mucking everything up. So something that was supposed to get there by Saturday did not arrive until yesterday, last night. Oh, wow. So that's oh, wow. fucking... But they're going to finally... Finally... On their way to the, their their forever homes, I hope. Um, and so I'm just, yeah, this is the thing. Like every step of the way, I've been kind of nervous because it's like, God, like this has never been done before. There's no real workflow for this. So I'm just like kind of muddling my way through this. It's like in concept, I know how it's going to work, but it's like how to execute it and how to do it in a way that it's going to be resilient and like stand up over time, you know, or, or like be uh, seamless enough that people can like keep it 
in their record collection without it like being, you know, like a pain in the ass. So pretty much it's just like, there was all these logistical things that I had to figure out. That was nerve wracking. And like shipping it is like, oh fuck, is it going to get there safe? It was like nerve wracking, you know, cause like they're a hundred bucks a piece pretty much for like when you get the kit too. So like, man, it was a fuck ton of work. Let me tell you, cause it, I, I also got like a hundred subwoofer amps from China. Right. And they took forever to get here. And then I had to test each one. 10% of them failed over 10% of them failed. Then I had to modify them because they're subwoofer amps. I had to take off three capacitors to make them full frequency. Right. I have to test that shit again. Then, you know, test like all the, um, the speaker covers and stuff. Okay. And then like pack them in a way that they would like get to Chicago safely. They're finally at Chicago. Like, okay. Make the instructions, right. So that they're, they're legible. And then like, okay, now like you're, you're getting me at this time where it's like, this is like the, the last second for which I'm going to be holding my breath because then it's like, I, I have to wait and see like how people will react. Like once they get their covers like, yeah. and it's like, they're going to be able to like put the kit together and make it work. Like if they'll be psyched about it or just like, or disappointed, you know what I mean? So it's like, Oh, let's see how it goes. It's still the moment of truth is yet to, to manifest. It's coming. Um, I know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I, yeah. So there were, are there still vinyl av available? Yes, there's a ton. Okay, there's a ton awesome. of regular vinyl available. Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about, um, I think Glenn and I were both talking about this before, of like the concept of noise music, which is, I know, a very like broad and everything, but you've talked about before there being like no rules in, in noise music. Yeah. Um, what would you describe or not describe? How would you like recommend um, to someone who's not as familiar with noise music, what would you like recommend as far as like someone just starting to get into it? What kind of noise music I would recommend? Or just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they should go see you perform. Obviously that should be number one, but. I think first, yeah, should be live shows. Like I, mm -hmm. I think that's like the real strength in, in noise is live performance you know and then i think yeah after that it's like the the recording is is kind of uh trying to like it's like a shadow of like what the, the live experience is oftentimes right it's kind of like capturing it and then this is there's different things right there's also sure. like okay compositions right that there are noise compositions that are fucking amazing right but there's this there's not this kind of like human body uh environmental uh like energy that you get you know from like the live performance um but yeah i would say yeah just go to live noise shows like especially noise fests because then you see like the full gamut of like what's available there's like laptop noise right and then there's uh, just like metal noise. There's a really funny meme right now that's like, what noise musician are you? And it's oh, like blender, yeah. blender <laughs> like chains on cymbals. Yeah. Contact yeah. my injury. Yeah. <laughs> what about someone so, who is curious about, and I know at least I think Chris would agree on 
from his perspective as well that we haven't really cracked too much into the academic side of things but if someone was curious about that do you have any resources or rec recommendations in that aspect of it oh yeah yeah ubu web has got a bunch of really good shit actually the way i would go about it is i would go and look at like music concrete and like um like the futurist um um noise musicians like pretty much like uh, what is this guy's name? Rusolo, R-U-S-S-O-L-O, uh, who was like a futurist and like futurists were all about like destroying mm. his history and like uh, destroying uh, just like hierarchies and elitism and stuff like that. And he had these like noise boxes. And then later on, we get like music concrete with Pierre Schaefer and like tape music and stuff like that. So um, I would go from from history. And then, um, yeah, and then like look at stuff that's from, uh, what is it called? Aircam, I-R-C-A-M. And uh, I would look at like Ioannis Zanakis, who is fucking amazing, Edgar Varis, and um, <sighs> Michelle Bachet. Who else is, who's the fucking one? Oh yeah, the Carl Heinz Stockhausen, you know, and then look at into like Alvin Lucier, which is more of like this kind of art artistic noise. Like it's the concepts that kind of drives the 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 acoustics, I'd say. So like yeah. So those guys. Unfortunately they're all dudes, right? I think there's yeah. there's also, you know, there's electronic music pioneers who were women, like, you know, Delia right. Dervishire and um I'm gonna fucking butcher this name, but Elsa Marie Pad, who's this Danish um, Danish uh, electronic music composer, and uh, oh fuck, who else am I thinking of? Who was in the BBC Tape Lab? Not Delia. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to come back and <laughs> or, like put a footnote of like the woman that I'm thinking yeah. of. But, oh, thank yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, definitely, because. Yeah, it's like I know some of the noise artists that like uh you know that like you see around New England, some of the more underground stuff, uh like it am deathable or you know, mm -hmm. uh uh trying to think of like what's what's the name? Uh Andrea Pensato. Oh yeah, she's yeah, amazing. like Angela Sawyer and you know, and again, just people we see around here, but I definitely don't have as much like a historical like context for some of this stuff. So, um, uh, actually, have you ever heard of Nihilist Spasm Band? Oh yeah, I saw them play last October in Switzerland. No way! Wait, yeah. where did you see them? Uh, in in Lausanne, Switzerland. Oh my god, I'm so jealous because I love that band. Really? And, cool. And, uh, you're the first person I've ever met that that knows them. Oh, they've been around for ages, no? Yeah, exactly. They're from like the '60s. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're they're so good. But that like yeah, they're one of the few. Like like, like my references aren't as like, like I'm I'm starting to learn more and more. Uh, but uh, there was like a lot of for a while too, just like uh like lightning bolt, which is like more noise rock, but you know, or like Jandek or something. Which oh. I don't even know. If people call that noise. I don't even you know. Right. Um, I mean, some people call it noise, obviously, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, or whatever, 
Um, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, I appreciate the recommendations. Oh yeah, man. Anytime. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm so, uh, so jealous that uh, Nihilus Spasm <laughs> band that I, I, I want to, I've seen videos of them plays, but, but I'd love to see them live. Um, so it's like a final question, you know, with obviously everything going on with COVID, um, when do you think that we, when do you predict we'd be back to more um, going to like shows? And shows. Uh, this is a fun thought exercise. Uh, I would say shows probably next summer, summer 2021. Okay. And that's an optimistic view, I think. Yeah, yeah I've heard things like, oh, realistically, not until 2022. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even like outdoor stuff? Oh, uh, outdoor stuff, like, I mean, now there's still, I've seen, like, stoop concerts, like, in New York, you Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but, huh. Yeah, I guess it, it depends on what you mean. Like, I think closed yeah. spaces, like, sh like, normal, normal, I think not until at least next summer. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. It's definitely gonna, gonna be a while. Um, you know, it's also hard to say what just what venues will even survive. But oh, have faith in the in the uh, the underground, though. <laughs> it, it they find a way. It finds a way. I mean, there's been tons of streams. I don't know how. Yeah, some streams have been making like as much money like as the, as like regular shows. You know, really wow. donations. Yeah. Do you okay. like doing any virtual things? Oh man, I've done so many streams <laughs> since since the uh lockdown started <laughs> yeah yeah i i like some of the stream stuff but then some of it like i watched and then some of it i just it's it's i don't know it's just tough for me i i, I do miss naturally like just you know the getting out there and going to the to the show and everything and um oh, but, it's not, uh, yeah it's definitely not the same yeah but um you know it's uh yeah it's whenever it's definitely going to take a while, but whatever happens, you know, you, as long as people are still making stuff, you know, that there's, there's going to be, there'll be shows again. Mm -hmm. That's my optimistic, <laughs> my optimistic view. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'd be inclined, inclined to agree with you. All right. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'd say, um, Obviously, like another shout out again, hair birth. Thanks. Uh, hopefully, yeah, you know, absolutely. Do you have any other any other shout outs or anything you want to um, plug? Uh, just check out American Dreams Records and uh, Ono, and then yeah, I mean, just try and support your Black Underground artist. You know, um, Dream Crusher, uh, Song Heaven. Uh, again, um, sex S E C T S from Providence, and let's see. yeah, <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> okay, awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's oh, been yeah. awesome talking. All right. Likewise, those yeah, are good on questions. the new album. Thank you. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, absolutely. 
congratulations again on the new album. And yeah, thanks so much for um, taking the time uh, to, to talk with us. We, we really appreciate it. And we love your music. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys.